Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. No One Likes Us Clothing is the Millwall clothing range. T-shirts, caps, polos, they've got it all. Visit www.noonelikesus.co.uk Or why not visit the Blue Anchor, where a selection of shirts can be bought at the bar. www.noonelikesus.co.uk You're listening to Achtung Mobile, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Accept no substitute. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to our regular Friday show. Something for the weekend, sir, with my co-confederates, Mr. Neil Fisler. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hello, Nick. How are you going, mates? I'm okay. It's been a funny old week at the Den, Neil, isn't it? It's um, been a funny week generally, and Wednesday night's performance was disconcerting. Um, I was there. I, I imagine that you watched it on screen, but it was... Uh, I mean, my, my first point on our little agenda here is his Rowett, Gary Rowett tottering after that awful home defeat to QPR. It was it was a shocker. It was a shocker. And uh, I think it's indicative of the way things have been going this season, isn't it? It's difficult to know because you look at the stats and we're a point better off than last season or a point worse off than last season. I, I saw that post. I think that was, um, I think, was it Phil Clark or was it? I, I, I think it was Phil Clark, yeah. We posted that, that we're actually one point better off at the same point in this season compared with last season, listeners. Um, and that's that's probably true. I mean, one thing I think that Gary Rowett has proven, Neil, over his three years now, nearly, of time at the Den, is he, he has an ability to find a result when he needs it most. And, you know, I think he does need it most tomorrow, at home to Blackpool, Saturday tomorrow. Um, but he's he's been through some pretty bad phases, and I think that the the, the thing that's bothering me is that, we, that John Barrelson has actually invested in this squad. I know that we've lost Jed Wallace, and that was um, you know uh, to some extent beyond anyone's control because Jed's decision was involved there. But we've we've had, we have invested in the side. There, there are some good players in that squad, and. You know, I'm just reading on news at Den that uh, Rowett is saying he's got to find, um, you know, he's got to look at his tactics and his formation. Well, yeah, because that's that's the, that's the bit he can control. And we've got good players. So there's no need for us to be playing like we are at the moment with, with such um, pale attitudes. To the game. I mean, that was what struck me Wednesday. It was that the players didn't seem to be trying almost at times. It was awful. 
unfortunately, Gary Rowett comes out with the same nonsense week in, week out, doesn't he? Every time we don't play well, he's got to look at the formation. Then the next game, he'll stick with his trusty five at the back. He's yeah. two holding midfielders. Square pegs for round holes. Uh, he'll play two of our most promising new signings. Uh, well, we were just talking about him because I'm updating the who's who. Uh, Vogel Slammer. Mm. Uh, he stuck him out wide. Yeah, yeah. We would have thought that play him alongside Tom Bradshaw, and there'll be a bit of a handful. Put Fleming in, bet- yeah, well, in behind them in the role that he favours, I believe, isn't it? I believe yeah. so. In Holland, yeah. I mean, he's got a good record out there, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I was looking at his scoring record yesterday. He scored t- over ten goals, I think, for each of the last three or four seasons. He isn't going to do that here because he's stuck out wide. It, it's just it, it's a typical rabbit ball talk, speak, nonsense. After every time we have a bad performance and people start booing, I think Rowett has got probably the most talented squad we've had in quite a while. Agree, yeah. And he's at, this isn't a bad squad. It is just the manager who has bought... A fair few of these players in to fit in the system that he wants to play, and he can't get them playing it because he makes silly alterations. I'll give you some advice, Gary. Yeah, he listens. <laughs> Formation, mate. Yeah, seriously. That you know, that stop this nonsense of five at the back. Yeah, and give ridiculous substitutions and. It's all self-inflicted, this, and it's being self-inflicted by a manager who's very lucky that we've probably got the most patient chairman in the Football League because he doesn't sack people lightly. No, he doesn't. No, We, we don't as a club sack lightly, do, do we? Yeah, but you look at Danny Schofield the other day. Yeah. Uh, six, six or eight games as a Huddersfield manager gets yep. sacked. Yep. Yeah. But... Sometimes I think that you're writing your intro, Rowett produces his best sides when he's got his back against the wall, when there's a bit of pressure on, there's a bit of heat, and uh, the 52 languages of nonsense that he comes out with <laughs> working. Anyone that wasn't there on Wednesday night, listen to the, uh, the live show that I did. Um, he's, his back is up against the wall because there was a very, very strong, uh, I wouldn't even call it an undercurrent, it was an overcurrent of um, dissent against Gary on on, the, on Wednesday night. I don't like that personally, Neil. I, I think the Millwall is a club that, that at its best has that unity between manager, players, club and the fans. That's That's the ideal that we should all be aiming for. Um, but he's got to he's, he's got to change. What was happening on Wednesday cannot continue because we're going to be involved in a relegation struggle. Um, if that's how it continues, there was just no fight or, or, or spark or vim or whatever word you want to use on Wednesday. He does seem to be listening. I'm just looking at the news at Den uh, interview that's uh, it's put out. He says, "This is Gary Rowett." Neil, for me, I'm certainly ready to step up with what I'm doing. And the players have got to be ready to push forward and show that quality. Because same point, actually, I believe we've got more quality than we've shown. Um, Change your bloody formation, then. <laughs> <laughs> where they're at the strongest, you absolute muppet. 
Yeah, sorry. I, yeah, I'm trying not to rant here, but it's very difficult. It just comes out with the same nonsense week in, week out. This club has backed him. So now it, it has, yeah. The fans have backed him, Neil. I mean, you know, there have been moments where, you know, outright um, dissent has broken out. Every, everyone that um, listened to our show at Peterborough, I think it was last season, will, will have heard that. But for the most part, everyone's got back in line when the results have um, have got back in into some kind of shape. What hasn't happened for a long time is, and I think I said this the other night, is we haven't ripped into anyone. We haven't we haven't really imposed ourselves on a game for a long while. I'm trying to think when we last did actually produce what I think of, what you think of, and what the listeners will think of as a Millwall performance where. The den's on fire. We go at it, um, you know, and tear someone to pieces. That doesn't seem Stoke, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be pernickety. Um, yeah, Stoke, all right. We'll, we'll go with that. That's probably a, 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 the best for a, a bit. I think that was largely um, Stokes' incompetence because they were all four. I yeah. think they sacked their manager shortly after that we're talk, on the subject we're talking about. Um but it's 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 been a it's been a long period of what I would think of as fairly good good results. We finished in the I uh, can't remember where we finished last season in the top ten, wasn't it? So and we're we're on for a playoff shot on the last day. So you can't argue with that. And I just wonder sometimes whether whether we're over expecting. Is there too much expectation at the den given the resources? But it's hard to expect entertainment, Neil. Yeah, funnily enough, I mentioned that pre-season. I think that we need to manage our expectations. <laughs> this yeah. is a very difficult league because of the money that people are willing to spend and invest and waste. <laughs> we aren't in that league, so we have to get everything spot on. But I think, I think the last few seasons have raised our expectations of what Millwall can achieve. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. When, you're, when you're in and around the playoffs for most of the season, which I think we have been for the last two or three years, haven't we? Certainly. Yeah, yeah, we've been in, in the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, we've been there or thereabouts. And you bring in players, you spend, for us, huge sums of money. Yeah. Uh, 2.5 million euros. Yeah, well, we call it 2.5 million euros because it sounds a lot better than 1.7 million. Pounds. It also implies we're dealing in the European market as well, which is exotic. And uh, yeah, not a great player. He shows he shows tremendous glimpses. Yes, he does. What he can do. He's not afraid to have a pop. No, I take my hat off to that. Yeah, but, despite some of the online experts. Uh, <laughs> who, who have already branded him and Vogel Slammer as our worst two signings ever? Yeah, those those kinds of posters haven't been around for very long. If they think that seriously, I I, I agree. Fleming is a talented boy, and he, yeah. he he's not been really given full full. Um, you know, he hit the crossbar. He was unlucky on 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 Wednesday because that was a that was a good uh, good shot on goal and okay, an inch lower and it would have gone in. I think he's um, hit the bar two or three times in games with uh, with shots from in and around the box. I think he needs one. I think yeah. I think that when he gets one, a couple will yeah, one or two more will follow very quickly. 
But he's got to play him in his best position. It's no good signing these players as attacking midfielders and then decide to stick him out wide. Change your formation, Gary. I think what doesn't help, Rowett, and I've said it time and time and time again, they need to employ a coach with some attacking nags. I agree. Yeah. We, we, looked, we, we looked like we could have played all night the other night, Neil. Um, everyone's been saying it. There's nothing new in that. Yeah, we, we could have played on... If you give us 20 added minutes, we we wouldn't have got anywhere close to the goal. It was that kind of... Yeah, night. we could have been stood in line for all of those looking to look at Lizzie's coffin. And, uh, <laughs> and we still wouldn't have scored by the time we got to the front next bloody... Yeah, the next Monday yeah, next, next night, yeah. Um, it, it, but he needs some attacking nags in that coaching setup. You have a look at it. He was a defender. Uh, Paul Robinson... The Birmingham Paul Robinson was a fullback. Adam Barrett was a central defender. Yep. Was there's no attacking nags on there, and somebody, somebody must surely be saying to him, "Hold on a minute, uh, this formation's not working." Don't come out in a press conference and tell them what you think they want to hear, because obviously he might have been briefed what to say. Yeah. Do yeah. It. He says, oh, at some point we might, I think, didn't he say after the last game, we might have to look at formations at some point? Well, he's having to look at himself. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not being, uh, it must be difficult, Neil. I mean, uh, but then it's his, it's his job to say stuff in press conferences after a game. I'm just trying to put myself in his shoes after a difficult evening. What are you going to say that's going to sound new and fresh for the press? Um, but that's that's part of the job of being a football manager nowadays. So he does tend to come out with cliches, media cliches, a little bit. Um, and he's, he's mentioned the fact he needs to look at himself, fair enough, and the players need to look at themselves, which I think is true. Um, I mean, to some extent, I, I said this in, in the other show, that I don't know if you'd agree, Neil, but to some extent, you can play whatever formation you like. If... If players don't give it their all or are unable to perhaps to play in those roles that you're asking them to, then, you know, if, you, if they don't bring their A game, put it that way, then um, he's in a difficult position, isn't he? Whatever formation you, you, you play in, they're all, they're all uh, variations of the theme in the end. But if you don't bring your A game, then you're going to struggle. I would. I would agree that, that we've got players playing well below themselves. You can normally carry one or two players playing badly. You can't carry six or seven, eight players playing badly, and that's what's happening for us. But I go back to the original point. He's not playing players in their strongest positions. He signed players to do certain things, and he's not doing it. It's square pegs for round holes, as we've said a couple of times this morning. And he has to figure that out. The penny has to drop with him. And it doesn't drop. You look at the game. What was the game we played the other week? And uh, it was obvious the formation wasn't working. And then he changed it, and it worked. Yeah, we went for four at the back. I can't, which was that was one of the wins, wasn't it? it was would it have been would it have been Coventry with it? Um, I don't know. I can't remember which one it was. But he went he went to four. I think Danny Mack was was playing in that game, and we got got the ball forward more quickly with more zip, and it, it worked. He seems wedded to this three at the back. I, I don't quite get the stubbornness on that. The only thing I can say on that front is he seems to be glued to an idea that that's how the big teams play. That's how 
success is is, is won at uh, the top levels, European levels, and that's how we ought to play, therefore. But I don't think it quite works for us. Um, one, one thing that doesn't happen under his stewardship generally, and I don't, I don't particularly want it to be a Gary Rowett knockfest, but the, the biggest weapon we all have is the den, Neil. There's the crowd. Bring them into play. Get them play. Get them on on the backs of the opposition and in favour of the middle side. It, 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 the style we're playing doesn't do that enough. Um, you, you're kind of wasting your biggest single asset. And I, whether he understands that or whether he trusts that, I, I don't know. But um, that's something that ought to change, has to change. Otherwise, we're going to struggle. Young children listening, cover your ears now. Cover your ears. Put, put, the, put the dogs and cats away and, and, and close the stable door for the horses. Fuck Pep Guardiola. <laughs> this is Millwall. Okay. Yeah, we can actually. Yeah, we can now un. I'm, I'm, I'm let the horses out now. Yeah, we can. Yeah. We can say that. No, I, I, I'm with you. I, I know what you mean. It, um, we have got a weapon of the den, but let's not make too many bones about it. We're boring to watch. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. I, agree. I watched the Cardiff game because my son was. I uh, saw my son for the day, yeah, and uh, he he was down here for the weekend, and we went and watched a local gang. And to be honest, I didn't miss it. No, I did not miss it because it's we're not playing the type of football at the moment that makes you really want to go or even no. to watch us. Yeah, you watch us out of loyalty rather than because you want to. Yeah. Watch. Yeah, and out of habit, and that's a bad thing. Uh, our crowds are appalling as it is. He, he, it's, it's just so frustrating that he isn't, uh, he isn't producing Millwall teams that you want to watch. And no, when- I'd, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that, Neil. And I, I understand you, what you've just said. Uh, you know, as, as listeners will know, we do the um, the non league shows. Um, the football is not um, well. I say, I say the football's not that great. It's our, our football on Wednesday night wasn't that great, to be honest. I think I said to to Michael yesterday we went to watch Eri from Belvedere at, uh, at Parkview Road, Welling, and you know you can uh, you can sit with a beer in those those games, but you can sit. It's enjoyable. It's a nice afternoon. You're actually enjoying being at the football. No pressure because obviously you don't really care about the results, so that takes away that. But the that the essence of going to watch Millwall is that it's it's as much a, a social event with hopefully some entertainment thrown into the mix, but we're not getting much in the way of entertainment. That that is for sure. Um, yeah, well, I went and watched a non-league game with my son, and um, we pitched up. You could park. Yeah, we could actually park, park on at the ground. Yeah, <laughs> we park on the touchline. It was unbelievable stuff. It was a fiver to get in. Yeah, we saw. Yeah, we saw a lino in special shoes. <laughs> it was about 30 yards behind play when we put the flag up. We saw a referee lose control of a game and send off two players in injury time. Uh, we saw some agricultural challenges. Released. <laughs> and it was just it was just a great afternoon out. It was just great to not it's refreshing. It's refreshing. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it was great to not care what was going on. We saw the son of a legend play at the back. He looked like a 
bulked up steroid head. We saw a McGrath's <laughs> son play for uh, one okay. of the teams. Okay. And it, it, you walked out, or you drove out in this case, happy and yeah. smiling. And you just don't get that sense when you're watching Millwall a lot of the time under Gary Rowett. It's... That's the thing. I, I was, as I was walking out the ground on, on Wednesday, walking along Elderton Road, coming back to the car, um, I, was, I was thinking uh, that there's a Brian uh, Clough quote. I, I think it was Brian Clough, but others have borrowed it since about the first job you do when you take over a club is get everyone to play with a smile on your face. Even Ian Holloway might have said it, I think. Um, not many smiles on the faces of the players. They don't seem particularly happy. Um, they must know the system doesn't work. I don't know how I don't know enough about Gary Rowett, uh, personality wise, know how he is as a manager. Um, and he's always managers are, are not there to be popular, are they? They're, they're there to, to choose a side, they're going to make someone unhappy. So, but you generally want people to be carried along with you. That's 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 the that's the starting point of management in any walk of life, yeah. And um, and Millwall do have that amazing ability. And this happened a couple of times this season, where you've enjoyed watching us. I think the Stoke game was smiling for a couple of days. Yeah, after. no, everyone was buzzed after it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and yeah. you do, and you smile for a couple of days afterwards. Life feels good. Your weekend it's is good. Yeah, like it is now. No, you kind of feel that life is good, but you're not getting that at the minute with Millwall. Oh, oh Christ! Yeah, no, it's another Millwall game. No, you grind your teeth. Go, go I'm going to go down there tomorrow. Um, I think it is. It's, it's that sense of loyalty. I don't know what, where else I'd go, but um, I suppose you could go to watch local games. But it's you, you don't care about it in the same way. You can't. You can't not go. So I shall be there tomorrow, dear listeners. Um, one thing I do want to say before we move away from uh, the, the 2-0 loss in the week now, I just wanted to really take my hat off. Others have done it already. It's been done online. What a version of the national anthem was performed before the very well-performed ceremony before the game. Jay Britton, uh, wife of uh, Danielle Callaghan, um, a scorching version of the national anthem, sung without any backing, a cappella, I think it's called. And it was a spine tingler. Really, really well done. Nick, knowing that, uh, yeah, knowing what that's called, not the Millwall Ironang, mate. <laughs> Acapella. <laughs> yeah, but no, mate, it was uh, <laughs> occasions very well, in all seriousness. Yeah, they do remembrance very well. They do a lot of things. And, and getting Jay to sing the national anthem, Christ, it was emotional. Yeah, was, very good. Really, really good. Um, summed up the mood of the nation. Actually, it summed up the mood how we felt after the game, really. A bit sombre. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought it might... Uh, I mean, the, the pre-match ceremonials were, were, were great. I mean, and you, you know, I, I wonder whether it might take some of the um, atmosphere away from the game. Um, and maybe to some extent it did at the start, but it, once the game started, we, we got into the mill wall that we, uh, you know, for better or for worse, the mill wall. But I thought as a, as a starting point, that, should, that was a moment that the club we, we should have latched onto that, the players should have latched onto that and got the crowd into it because they wanted to get behind Millwall. It all went a bit to waste, but I just wanted to take my hat off to Jay because that was a, a scorching version of the, of the yeah, well done. It wouldn't have been easy either. You're no. You suddenly, 
yeah, we're suddenly performing in a football stadium. The uh, yeah, I don't know if Jay supports Millwall or if she even cares about football. Yeah, uh, I congratulated her on Twitter, and uh, rightly she, so. Yeah, it, uh, but it was ab- absolutely fantastic. It, and I've got to be honest, I think the national anthem has been amazingly well sung and received at most sporting events. In yeah, the, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, in the last week. Yeah, the only thing is you've got to remember what the bloody words are, haven't you? Ken and send him or his. Yeah, you? that would take some getting used to. Uh, <laughs> After 70 years of God Save the Queen, it's now become God Save the King. And, and as you say, the gender changes. Um that will take some getting used to. I think I don't think it's unforgivable to sing the Queen if you mis mispronounce it. But she did a real job the other night, and um, I think you're right. I mean, you know, whatever people's politics are out there, the, the, the role of the national anthem and the flag is to unify. That's that's what it's all about. Um, it's to remind you who we are, and it's been done really well in this in this recent period because you know it's um, it's a time for coming together without getting too kumbaya ish on on a Millwall. Uh, podcast, Neil, but um, no, I just wanted to acknowledge that. I thought it was a really, really strong performance and to, and to sing it live with no room for error. You can't hit one bad note and she didn't. So well done, Jay Britton. Good name, actually, for a singer in that circumstance. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Achtung, Mehlball. Um, well, this is, I just caught my eye, Neil, and actually the two things caught my eye. One, it's just been announced that Charlie Cresswell, our Leeds lone star, um, has been named in the England under-21 party. For, there must be an internationals forthcoming soon. In fact, there's an international break next week. So he's been named in the England under-21 squad. And that tied in quite neatly with a, a story on um, News at Them where... Gary Rowett was mentioning the possibility that with a loan deal, they can go back to their parent club. And, you know, the, the question was arising, will he go back in January? Because a lot of Leeds fans are, weren't best pleased that he left them in the first place. 
especially if he's getting international honours. So we've got to keep half an eye on on that because um, it's easy to forget the likes of Jamie Shackleton and Charlie Cressel aren't our players, are they? Well, I think Shackleton's slightly different because we've got an option to buy on Shackleton, haven't we? Okay. okay. So I think he's slightly different. Uh, I'm not sure on the Creswell deal. It, sometimes it does have written into these uh, loan deals that uh, they can be recalled. But typical Gary Rowett, just come out and say, he's, he's going to know if there's a recall clause in the contract. Yeah. yeah. But to come out and say, I'm not sure, it just spanks of stupidity. Yeah. Come out and say, just say, yes, there's a recall clause in his contract. We could lose him in January. Yeah. Which I would imagine they, I mean, Leeds have lent, loaned him to us to improve. And if he has improved and he's clearly to a level where he's being named in the national side, then they may think that we could use him in our Premier League season. Yeah. So, but, yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's not much we can do about it. It's. I think a lot of it will depend on where Leeds are. He's an England under-20 international, so, yeah. so the step up to under-21's debatable whether or not. Uh, somebody described him, I think, News at Den as our most influential player this season. I wouldn't agree with that. No, I wouldn't go that far. He's done well. He's made some errors. Yeah, the guy that writes News at Den, he's full of flowery nonsense. <laughs> Right on yeah. Maybe he's after Poet Laureate now that there's a new a new, new, new boss in town. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go that far. I think he's made a lot of mistakes. And to be honest, if I was Leeds, I'd be looking at him thinking, I think you probably need to be there for the rest of the season, old son. Yeah? Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, I don't think, by no means has that been our most influential. He's done well. And he scored goals. That's good. Well, at he's, times, but sometimes he's looked absolute liability. He gave the ball badly away at Sheffield United, which I think gave them the killer goal. And that was, um, you know, that's not good either. So, you know, tried to Hollywood, there's a balance here, isn't there? Yeah, but he tries to Hollywood pass too often, doesn't he? That's a good, and, good uh, new word. I like that. Hollywood pass. I like that. I like that. Yeah, well, he, car yeah, well, he carries the ball out like Johan Cruyff. I'm forgetting that. <laughs> He's a bloody central defender. Just put your foot through it, Charlie. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We do not expect our central defenders to be carrying the ball out of central defence. Yeah. Our defenders clear it. Or, or do a long diagonal ball over the top into nobody. That's the other thing we like our defenders to do. This to me is a bit of a non-story, actually. I think it's uh I think they've asked a question. Uh, to see what the response is. Um, Rowett could have killed it dead by saying, no, there's no recall cause. Yeah. Yeah. But what's going to... Uh, yes, yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah. But what's going to happen now is, you know what Millwall fans are like? They'll just revert and they'll worry. Yeah, well, I'm in the journalistic industry. I know what it's all about. Yeah, the, he, he could have killed the story stone dead or he could have taken away all calls for by just saying yeah there is a recall clause no there isn't a recall clause yeah there we are that's 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 the news at den's story i just want to mention while we're before we move on to the uh the under 21 squad now i just want to mention ryan sanford as our lone goalkeeper that's playing at weymouth um at the weekend made a fine a, fa a fantastic penalty save 
in the Abbey National League football down there. So well done, Ryan Sandford. It was a really strong save. He seems to have been around forever on a day, Ryan Sandford. Um, loaned out now to, to Weymouth. It must be a difficult, you know, you, you must be starting to think to yourself, will I ever make it at the den or, or am I better off looking for a permanent move? It may be a precursor to that, I don't know. But he, he did very well. Just so, just want to say well done. There is footage of it on on social media. Um, yeah, well, viral tweet, something that I know all about after last week, I must admit. <laughs> What's that then, Neil? <laughs> seamless. How seamless of a... How seamless. There was, a, there, was a, there was an online kerfuffle, listeners, over... Um, Neil posted a while back. Um, in fact, I can tell you when it was, because I've got the thing here. Give me a second. It was on the 8th of September, Neil, who posted that uh, image of the Princess Elizabeth at the 1945 Football League, known as the War Cup South Cup Final, in which the Mill lost to Chelsea 2. And the Princess Elizabeth and King George VI were in attendance. Also, the Queen Mother was there as well, I saw in the in the photograph. And, and, that, and that, that, got, that got borrowed word for word. It did, it, it, you need to copyright them, Neil, in the future and get some money out of it. Yeah, no, I must admit, and uh, somebody tried saying that I stole it off, off, yeah, well, <laughs> off of him. Off of... <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, fair play to H. He sat him right. Yeah, but he sat him straight. He did. Yeah. Uh, but in all seriousness, I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet or anything, believe it or not. Uh, but if anybody does want to listen to that podcast, we did a podcast. About. We did that in May at the start of the summertime. Yeah. We did a did a series of uh, that tweet was done out of knowledge, and uh, certainly the person that claimed it has definitely got no knowledge at all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, uh, this this is the thing. I mean, I, I, I Neil Neil was written on uh, Mill history and and other other subjects too. A journalist, as as as, as he said. I, I'm an amateur. I mean, I, I just I, I just take the time to have a look on various websites. I, I subscribe, so I enjoy it. Kind of bloke that I am. I subscribe to the newspaper archive, which is a valuable source of information. You can find this stuff out. History doesn't belong to anyone. It belongs to everyone. So there is no, no. Um, you know, if you take the time, you too out there can also publish, if you want to, stuff and you know, you're just repeating facts, and those facts are, are are well documented if you take the time and trouble and the research, Neil, that you do to find it. Um, it's it, you know, it's it's there. So, um, I, I, I don't want to give the impression that it belongs. There's there's one one source of information that's the be all and end all, but you can't go taking other people's work word for word and repackage it as though you've come up with it. I, I think that's that's low rent, personally. It's pretty poor form, but hey, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Visit No One Likes Us Clothing for all your Millwall clobber. www.noonelikesus.co.uk well, Let's move along. Let's talk about the under-21 squad. I'm just looking at the um, the Millwall app results uh, for the Millwall under-21 squad. Going really, really well at the moment, Neil. 4-1 win. Yeah, uh, I think we're unbeaten this season, aren't we? All we lost one game this season. I forget what it is now, but uh, yeah, well, well, yeah, yeah, but it seems to be a, almost a parallel universe from the first team, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, just look at these results: four-one over the Watford under twenty-one side. This was last Tuesday, the thirteenth. Uh, we beat Coventry City three-two at, at their place. We beat five, uh, put five past Peterborough. Four-one uh, win at Birmingham. 
4-0 over Barnsley and 1-0 win at Hull City. And we I think we're top of the table. It's what's the competition called? It's like a Premier League under 21 to, uh, division a, or something. Yeah, well, I think it's the Premier League under 23 development. Something like that. Um, but to, to be top of it and to be to be putting four past Watford, who you'd think would be a you know a decent decent side. Um oh, it must be having sleepless nights over the under twenty. <laughs> we're top of the table. Yeah. In fact, we we six play, played six eighteen points. That's one hundred percent record so far. Well, in all seriousness, you have a look at those squads, and you'd probably be hard pressed to. To know a first team player in them, uh, you know, I know occasionally they do pop up in those. I think George Evans might have been on the bench a couple of times. There's certainly some players of promise and players that our strikers have scored one goal all season, and that was uh, Mr. Afobe the other week. Yeah, yeah. And you've got young Abdul Malik, yeah. who is banging them in for fun at the under twenty three level. So you would hope, at some point, that the manager might integrate him into the first team, just to yeah, yeah, in much the same way as did with Zach Lovelace, I think, last year, just to give him, if only to act as a bit of an incentive, take him to a couple of away games. Have him as the in, in and around the squad is the expression, isn't it? Um, just just to show him what it's all about and to act as an incentive to carry on. Uh, but at Millwall, we have this problem where, yeah, I think we've seen with Isaac Alofa, we actually wait almost too long, don't we? In some we seem to, we seem, there's, I think this is very professional football managers thing of. You, you know, you don't put the kids in too quickly and too early, but you, you, you should feed them in. And I, I agree having them around the first team, have them on the bench, give them some minutes at, at that level, you know. Um, I don't think it hurts. And given that they're scoring so free, I'm just going to read out the team. This is the 4-1 win over Watford, Neil, uh, which was played last week. Um, I don't know some of the first names, so I'm going to apologise in advance to the players, but I think it's worth name-checking because they are a successful side at the moment. So we've got goalkeeper Gilmore, Smith, uh, Adon, Malaki, Muller, Penny, Akoli, Allen, Lawson. Uh, SA came on for him in the 65th. Leahy, replaced by Nana Boteng, Abdul Abdomalik, and Drozd. I, I mean, I, it's, um, I might try and get along to a game, and if you fancy it too, listeners, do, because we're playing Charlton at the Den. That'll be a one o'clock kickoff on the Tuesday, the 20th of September. Um, I might, might not be able to make that one, but I think we've got Bristol and the next one after that. And it'd be worth getting along if you've got some free time on a, an afternoon just to get along to, to watch them because I think they deserve some support, Neil, the way they're going. Yeah, do you know what? It, it always used to be one of the great things about being in London and working from home or because I've yeah. worked for donkey's years that you could actually go around, go along and watch reserve games in the afternoon. And yeah. it, yeah, especially in the football combination days, and those are old days. Wow, yeah, yeah, no, well, it is good. Yeah, but it is, yeah, well, I think they only charge a couple of quid to get in, and you can always go and get the fiver, uh, yeah, you can always go and get a sandwich or something from the bloody Millwall Calf and take it in there. I've done that once or twice, and yeah, and it's good to watch these players. And you know, you often get old out there, so you can always, uh, yeah. so you can always. Some of your thoughts on Mr. Rowett if he's there. 
20th of September, we're playing Charlton at the Den, under-21s in the uh, Premier De Development League, one o'clock yep. kick-off. First team level, so we might as well outclass them at the under twenty three level, wouldn't we? Yeah, a rare thing. Go to the den and enjoy yourself, and maybe see some goals and attacking football. Try it out. <laughs> Let's give it a go. Um, hashtag, hashtag, enjoy yourself, um, Neil. Just to close the show, I've found a result from. We haven't done this for a while, but I thought I'd, I'd mix it in today just to try and raise the uh, the mood a little bit because we've been on a bit of a downer generally last few days. I found a result from 1978, notable for two reasons. One, I, I was there, I was at this game. So um, 15th of April, 1978, Mill 2, Blackpool nil in, in Division 2. Played at Coldblow Lane in, just, in front of just 5,533 fans, one of whom was me. Um, and this was actually a remarkable run of um, six straight wins to save us from relegation from Division 2 in the... 77-78 season. It had been a difficult season. George Petchy was managing us at this stage. And um, we were in relegation trouble as this run began. It began with this particular win. Um, John Seisman, scorer, scorer of the goals, and Brian Hamilton. Um, really, really strong finish. It was it was, it was, it was, was one of those um, we, we needed to get six wins. And lo and behold, we got six wins and saved us from relegation. Yeah, well, just one question. Yeah. Did you pay or did you have a freebie? Because I've because I've heard there's quite a lot of freeloading going on. I mean, you could, you could, the old ground, you could climb in. I think if you went around the, uh, with a dog, the well, it's now an open ground, but yeah, no, um, you, you could yeah. climb over the fence there, couldn't you? By the dog track. Yeah, no, you're missing the poor joke I made. I, oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I see. Sorry. <laughs> No, I paid to get in, mate. I paid to get in. Um, Somebody. <laughs> that's, a, that's a private private um, joke, listeners. Um, you look at that season and uh, we were doomed, I think. Uh, we, we were doomed, yeah. It's been a, it's the season of the, uh, the loot, uh, not loot, the Ipswich quarterfinal. Yeah. Um, it seemed to be downhill really before then we were... Yeah, we were sinking fast. I listened to a podcast on Queen Victoria's death and uh yeah. and they were saying how she sunk fast. I think I think that we were sinking fast this season. Uh especially after the six one Ipswich game. Uh, there were a couple of good results afterwards. I think we drew three three at Tottenham. Tottenham, um yeah, uh thirty three thousand um that was in March, but we were in trouble, twenty first in the table. After a free all draw at White Hart Lane, um, we had the bizarre um, the home game that had to be played at Portsmouth uh, against Bristol Bristol Rovers, um, which I was at in front of three thousand fans in Fratton Park. Uh, well? Sorry, yeah, did you pay for that one as well? I paid for that one. I paid for them all, mate. <laughs> oh dear. Um, 21st we were in the table, whereas we were beaten by Stoke City on the 12th of April. And we were looking doomed, and the club was looking like it was spinning out of control. The the FA had um, banned us from the den, and crowds were low, and the general vibe of the place was um, was was in a bit what a, a very mobile death spiral. Um, but lo and behold, a miracle was produced because we, this win over Blackpool. On, on the uh, 15th of April, began a sequence of six straight wins that took us from 21st in the table 
um, up to finish in 15th position. I never would have expected that we'd finish in 15th with a final win of the season at home to, to Mansfield. Um, the team that day at her, at her in the 2-0 win is a bit of a... It's a good team, actually. You know, I don't know. We got ourselves into a pickle this season. But we had some good players in it. Dave Donaldson. Uh, Nicky John's in goal. Good goalkeeper. Uh, Dave Donaldson, Barry Kitchener, Tony Hazel, John Moore. Um, Phil Walker in midfield, replaced by John Alexander. I wanted to come back to John Alexander in a moment, if I may. Dave Mehmet, one of our, our youth prospects that came through into the side. Brian Hamilton. Um, Peter Allen. And stripe front, John Seisman and and Trevor Lee. Um, that was a good side, actually. I don't know. We, we got ourselves into a scrape that year, but they also played their way out of it. It was remarkable looking back yeah, at it. It was, the, it was the end of the Gordon Jago era and the start of the George Petchy era, wasn't it? And yeah, she took his time to get us going. And uh, we had one or two good results under him. Let's not get it, yeah, but let's not say it was all doom and gloom. Uh, the 4 0 against Luton in the Cup, then we beat Southampton, then we beat Notts County yeah, in, uh, in the FA Cup. And uh, there was even our annual two points, as it was then, over Charlton. That's right. Yeah, two points in those days, listeners. Yeah, not three for a win. Well, um, it wasn't all doom and gloom, but it, it, in some ways it mirrors what's happening now. To a certain extent, we had some very talented players, but they just weren't getting the best out of them. And uh, no, Petty struggled. Uh, it was actually, a, uh, you know, the, the, when we were relegated, he signed John Lyons, was a great striker for us, and we were in the in the mix. But somehow we would go off the boil under George Petty, and he became much much maligned as a manager. Um, I always remember the famous graffiti: "Petty must go." I think it was written round by the uh, Rotherhithe Tunnel. Um, and it you know became a figure of um, a figure of uh, fun, but you must be careful what you wish for. If you replace George Petty, you don't go and bring in Peter Anderson afterwards, listeners, because that's what we got, and it got even worse. So always be careful what you wish for. Um, hopefully, Gary Rowitz for getting rid of Lomas and bringing in Hollowards, wasn't it? Hollowards, that's right. Yeah, there we are. We've got a track record of that. Remarkably, we would survive. Um, Blackpool would be relegated in this season. So we we began it with a, a, the run of a 2 0 win over the Tangerines. And they would finish up in the bottom three. And we would escape to the comparative safety of 15th position. Um, that's, a, that's a great lineup. I just wanted to mention John Alexander, Neil, because I'd, I'd forgotten his name until I saw it in that. Uh, well, actually, I remember his name every time Liverpool were playing. Because, of course, John Alexander, who played for the Lions in the uh, late 70s um is the is he the grandfather of trent alexander arnold i'm just going to consult my mill who's who book which is i'm it? currently rewriting i believe he is actually the john alexander was um a good really good midfielder but he was he was he was slightly exotic listeners because he was a he was going to university in an era where Going to university amongst the, uh, for my, my family included, the working class support of Millwall certainly was not something that you did. You know, going to university was for for the uh, the, the Sorry, kids that came. Uncle of, he was his the uncle. uncle. His uncle of Trent Alexander Arnold. Listeners, um, he played seventeen games for us, uh, scored twice. He was a cultured midfielder, forward I think, and attacking midfielder. I always enjoyed watching him, but. Because of his university links, he didn't seem to get many games for us. Um, he played yeah. as an 
an amateur than a professional. How about that? He was actually, he was actually, uh, I think he was discovered by Eamon Dumphy, who was coaching the London, I think he was at the Un London University studying geography or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, off the top of my head, I put the book away now. <laughs> and, uh, um, I've got it here. Yeah, geography student John played for British universities. This is from Neil's book, uh, Neil Husu. He won representative honours for Merseyside and Lancashire uh, and signed, as you say, Neil, on, I, I didn't know this, on the recommendation of Eamon Dunphy, who's coaching at the London University. Um, I remember him being very uh, an intelligent player. I mean, obviously, he goes with his... Um, you know, academical um, talents as well. But he was a very intelligent player. Um, and for someone that's only played 17 games in 76, 78, two goals, I always remember him quite well. Um, quite an interesting career post after the game. He went on to become club secretary at Watford, Tottenham and Manchester United. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, no, he retired as a club secretary or whatever he was at Manchester United, which must go yeah. down well family given <laughs> the animosity between, uh, they were Liverpool and he's uh, the uncle of um, Trent Alexander-Arnold of Liverpool fame now John Alexander um, I just wanted to mention because he's a player I remember well and he was involved in this 2-0 win for the Lions over Blackpool the start of a remarkable um, something you, some things you don't ever forget in, in, in your Millwall life and that was one yeah, of them that yeah. of six wins but you actually have a look at the end of that season, Nick. I think we kept five out of six clean sheets. We did. He did one goal, I think, to Sunderland. Yeah, in fact, I don't think I know because I've actually got it on the screen in front of me. <laughs> so, <laughs> one uh, goal versus Sunderland, the three-one win over Sunderland. Um, no, it was it, it was it was one of those. It began as I remember. It, I would have been what seventeen at the time, so it began with a sense of the doomed resignation that we were going to go down. But we'd go down fighting, and gradually, as win on win on win happened, you start to actually start to believe that you could amazingly survive. So we beat Blackpool two 0 three one win. We've just mentioned nil over for, uh, Sunderland, a win at Fulham, which I remember well. Um, that was an Easter weekend, I think. One nil win at uh, Craven Cottage, then Luton uh, one nil, Oldham two nil, and the final game of the season at home to Mansfield Town was a one nil win for the Lions and we'd saved ourselves so that wouldn't work out for very long as we got relegated the season after but <laughs> there we are that's Millwall life for you Blackpool would be relegated in the bottom three with uh, Mansfield and, and, and Hull City but there we are I thought we'd, we'd leave our show this week on a, an upbeat hopeful note because that's how we like it at the den um, fingers crossed for tomorrow now I think it's a big game looming tomorrow and a big occasion potentially I'm really hoping the players raise their game and Gary Rowett looks hard at his, his approach because um, we all want to, we all want the club to succeed. And I actually want Gary Rowett to turn a corner because I think that um, we don't we don't sack managers very well, and we we we, say we can drift a little bit without, without you know when we do these things. So fingers yeah. crossed for tomorrow. It's as we said in the group I think the other day. You want Gary Rowett to succeed. I desperately want him to succeed, but I'm starting to think. Can he succeed? And uh, are, are we going to attract a manager of better standing? And uh, there it is, there it is. Yeah, um, what a journeyman manager's going around. 
It's also um, expensive, Neil. You know, for a club that you know, let's let's be upfront, listeners. We don't have an awful lot of money. There's a there's a, a, a contract as well, isn't it? So. Yeah. So there's a balance between you know the cost of relegation. I think, as Harry put it in one of his voicemails recently, uh, the cost of relegation versus the cost of getting rid of Rowett, as he would put it. I hope it don't come to that. I hope we don't get rid of Gary Rowett. I hope that he turns a corner, the players turn a corner, and that Wednesday night was a wake-up call because anything less than uh, the A game, as, I, as I've said a few times, isn't good enough at this in this league. Fingers Just crossed for tomorrow. Thing you've got on the agenda, which you've actually missed off. What's that? Did you actually send me the agenda before we come on? Oh, yeah. Um, Iron Webster. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's right. Yes, I did <clears throat> I did send this to Neil as a suggestion. Byron Webster has been named as the replacement for uh, the late Paul Jiggins on the club's Wall Talk podcast. An interesting choice, Neil. I mean, I, I, I imagine Byron's got plenty of football-related stories. I'm hoping that he's also got some um, beneath the kind of um, uh, the, maybe the comedic persona that there's a serious man underneath it. Because I think the, the two have to go hand-in-hand hand when you're doing podcasts. And you want to... Yes, you want to laugh and you want to be funny, but you also want to have something to say beneath the surface. I think that's the ideal combination. I wish him well on it, don't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Byron Webster, a legend for actually, yeah, for nothing more than actually riding around London on a Boris bike, <laughs> uh, playoff winner's medal around his neck. Who can forget that? Now, somebody who, uh, who took his time to grow into his role at the Den, he did. Uh, was actually a player that once he'd grown into that role, I thought he gave us fantastic service. A member of the playoff winning side of 2017. Um, and a good a, a good player for us. Um, unlucky, I think, injury ended his really career at, at, at the time. He's still playing for Bromley in, in the National League, so he doesn't see himself as, um, as done yet. I imagine that um, he's trying to think about maybe developing a media profile of some sort, and this might be a good step in the right direction for him. I, I wish him well. I'm looking forward to hearing what he's got to say, actually. It's going to be it's an yeah, interesting no, choice. You know, Walshawk was, yeah, well, I know it's a rival, and we don't mind publicising our rivals on this podcast because we're quite fair-minded about we it. We are. We are. We're known for it. Um, talk, which you've been a guest on. I have, yeah, enjoyed it with with, with Paul, with, with Paul Jiggins, yeah. And, um, and Jigo, he'll be missed on that, and it's a shame that it's taken them quite some time to find a replacement. They've had some terrific guests on that. It's difficult. Um, I, I I think it's a great format, uh, and I like it that, they, that the club do it. You do need to tread a, a careful line between humour and 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 um, being serious. That you, you have to have the two. The two have to go. I mean, whether we achieve it, I, I don't know. Listeners have to tell me. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, no. Um, you, you need you need to, you need to deliver. So you have to have something to say, but you've also got to be. You can't be too somber or too too serious about things. So um, it's an interesting choice. Um, stepping in some big shoes. Paul Paul Jiggins was a real character, and sadly. Um, no longer with us and um, you know um, I know that he loved to be involved in that show I think it's a good podcast and they've got uh, just looking at the um, the Walter uh, page on the on, on the Milwaukee app here they've had 90,000 plus downloads which is a, a pretty good performance listeners and I you know I, I wish them well I hope I hope it goes from strength to strength 
Yeah, definitely. There we are. Well done, Byron Webster. Well done, Wall Talk. And well done, Neil Fisler, for joining me today. Um, hope you've enjoyed this edition of Something for the Weekend. Fingers crossed for tomorrow. Now, what's your score prediction, mate, for tomorrow? Oh, Christ almighty, you're going to drop me in it now, aren't you? Yeah, I've got to. I've got to. Uh, I'm going to hope that we sneak a 1-0. Yeah. I fancy us to win it tomorrow. I think everyone's got to liven their act up. Gary, Rowett, and the squad, the players, lead players. I'll go for a win. I'm going to go for a 2 0 win for Millwall. Fingers crossed for tomorrow, listeners. Until the uh, next show, next week, from Neil and I, it's Arriva Dirty Millwall. Bye for now. You have been listening to Achtung, Millwall. Please do leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Danke schon. Up the lines. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.